even though my own state of Maryland would have been drifting out there as well. Later, after he returned to the Senate, Goldwater began a letter to the CIA director, Dear Bill, I am pissed off. How many times in my own government career did I long to write a letter like that, although I never did? In my heart, I knew Barry was right. It would have been entirely logical after 1964 to give up politics as completely hopeless and go on to a career, say, in the Foreign Service, as I seriously contemplated. Or I might have drifted off to the left in college, as so many of my contemporaries did. But like many others whose first taste of electoral politics came in the Goldwater campaign, I had exactly the opposite reaction. If the sustained and systematic distortion of a fine man's philosophy could succeed, abetted by every major media outlet in the country, overwhelmingly supported by the elite academic institutions, it was time to fight back. Surrender was not an option. Thirty-six years later, election night 2000 was a very different affair. Beginning in 1968, Republicans had dominated American presidential politics. Only the unfortunate elections of two failed Southern governors had intervened, and the objective in 2000 was to prevent the second Democratic interruption from being extended. Unlike 1964, however, the 2000 election was excruciatingly close, and I didn't stay around to await the outcome. I left the morning after the election for Seoul to participate in a conference on career-related policy issues at Yonsei University which was co-hosted by the American Enterprise Institute, where I was a senior vice president. When I checked into my hotel in Seoul late on Thursday, Korea time, the Florida outcome remained up in the air. After a long day on Friday, I turned on the television in my hotel room and found that chaos still reigned in Florida, with no final result. Most significantly for me, Governor George W. Bush had named Jim Baker, my former boss at the State Department during the previous Bush administration, to lead his effort to salvage Florida's electoral vote. No one at that point had the slightest idea of what might be involved or how long it would take to decide the evolving contest. Before I collapsed into bed early that Friday evening in Seoul, I left a voice message for Baker at his Houston law firm. I explained that I was in South Korea, but offered to fly to Florida to help. At about 2 a.m. Seoul time, the phone rang, and I picked it up to hear Baker's unmistakable Texas twang saying, get your ass on a plane and get back here. Just a few days later, I was in West Palm Beach, part of the great Chad exercise. I stopped first in Tallahassee, but Baker immediately dispatched me to Palm Beach where he thought a heavyweight lawyer should be added to the team already diligently at work. Ken Melman, later Republican Party chairman, called me the Atticus Finch of Palm Beach County. On the evening of December 12th, the Supreme Court ended the struggle in Bush's favor, and quite correctly as a matter of law, I might add. I was in Baker's office when he called Texas to tell the candidate the good news, saying to Bush, for the first time legitimately, congratulations, Mr. President. After more than a month in Florida, one of the great emotional roller coaster rides of my professional life, I flew back to Washington on a private plane with Margaret Tutwiler, a longtime Baker aide. We agreed it had been a completely different experience from our time in the State Department during the first Bush administration. It was only a matter of time, however, before both of us found ourselves back at the State Department, where Chad was a country in Africa, not a tiny bit of meaningful paper. 
Between the 1964 and 2000 elections, a lot had happened to me, demonstrating in my own experience the definition of history as one damn thing after another. With a few preliminary events before 1964 to get me to that unhappy Goldwater election headquarters in Catonsville. I started out in Baltimore on November the 20th, 1948, a baby boomer by any definition of the term, the son of a Baltimore firefighter, Edward Jackson Bolton, Jack to everyone, and his housewife, as we used to say, from Wilmington, Delaware, Virginia Clary Godfrey, or Jenny. Neither had graduated from high school, but I have no doubt that my own academic record was based on the genes I inherited from them. My parents were first-generation Americans who had grown up during the Depression and been steeled by World War II. They didn't need anyone to tell them that they had been through tough times, and they were determined, like most in their generation, that their children were not going to repeat their experiences. Jack